Holy Spirit, we ask you today, again, that you would speak to our hearts. You would seed your word into the soil that you've cultivated and turned over to receive it. And Lord, we pray that our lives would produce fruit that you spoke about, fruit that lasts. Holy Spirit, we pray that in these days and times that we live in, we pray that our very lives would be like that living letter that you speak about, that aroma of Christ, the salt of the earth, our lives like a city on a hill, shedding forth its light into the dark places around us. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name for your glory, and we pray. Holy Spirit, we know it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that we would have a fresh sense of your nearness, a fresh sense of you within our lives, enabling us to do what you have called each and every one of us to do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus another shout of praise. Let's thank our musicians. And you know what? I um, rarely, rarely do we thank our media team the guys in the, in the sin bin by here, John and Joe, and we got Russell and Tyler on lights and a whole host of media guys. Do you know what? That we never see. We never see. And um, I put on Joe's headphones this morning, and my goodness, it's complicated in there. I don't know how they do it. So, you know, we need to be aware and thank God for the people that he's placed just to bring this service about and make it happen. Isn't it great? To have people serving us, blessing us, to bring us into God's presence. It really is. Well, this, this morning I'm going to continue on with what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. We've titled it Reaching Out. How many know that God wants our lives to reach out to the people within our world? Jesus wants our lives to reach out to people that we meet every day that are all around us, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our family, with our extended family, our, our relations, whether it's our friends, whatever place we find ourselves in life, there are people around us. That's a guarantee. That's a given. God wants to use every one of our lives to reach out to souls that are lost. It's the commission, the great commission that Jesus gave his early disciples, but it didn't end with his disciples. It's the very commission that's to be the central focus of every believer, every child of God. And it's something that we need, I believe, to constantly remind ourselves of because very often life wants us Life wants to distract us away from that commission and that purpose that Jesus has given us, each and every one of us. 
Life lots of times wants to divert us away from doing God's will in the life of another. But I'm telling you now, when we, when we find our guidance from God's Word and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, oh, the joy that we find in reaching people for Christ. There's nothing like it. Tony sent me a text just this week. I was overjoyed. Sent me a text, led a man to Christ on the, on the shop floor where, where he's working. You see, there's opportunities all around us opportunities to reach people in, in, in places that we wouldn't associate with church necessarily. There's people all around us that are positioned within, within reach of our lives that God wants to speak to. And He's not going to open the heavens and split the skies and speak to them in a thunderous voice. He's going to use you and me to speak to them. Not in some kind of weird way. But he's going to use your mouth. And maybe today you need to raise your level of expectation for God to do something wonderful with your life. The, the, the greatest thing that God can ever do with any one of our lives is to reach a lost soul. The Bible says that when one, one sinner turns, all of heaven rejoices. When one person turns to Christ and simply prays, maybe a, a broken, teary-eyed prayer, all of heaven attends to that and rejoices and goes ballistic. The greatest, the greatest thing, the greatest work, the greatest action, the greatest destiny that a Christ follower can have is to reach another for Him. It really is. And I want us to look at that again today. We're going to stay right here. Remember we spoke, I left you with the words of Jesus when he spoke to his disciples from John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now the disciples had seen Jesus over those three years of ministries, over the three years of ministry into, into people's lives. He'd, they'd seen him do incredible things. And we talked a little about that. They saw exactly how the Father had sent him. He destroyed the power of the devil. He broke the power of sickness. He brought joy and peace and wholeness wherever he went. And now he's saying to his disciples, he'd just risen from the dead, peace be with you. And just to let you know, I'm going to be going to heaven soon and you're going to receive the promise of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be sent in exactly the same way that I was sent. You're going to bring joy wherever you go. You're going to bring peace where there's, where there's pain. You're going to bring wholeness where there's hurt. You're going to bring life where there's death. And I can imagine these disciples shaking and quaking a little bit, thinking, my God, we, we, were only, we only started out as fishermen. And Matthew may be thinking, well, well, I was only a tax collector, and now he's telling us that we're going to do exactly the same as he did. 
What was he doing? He was raising their level of expectation. And sometimes the dilemma that we face as people, we've got to be honest. God has given us a supernatural commission to reach our city and reach our world, but we feel very natural and very weak. And there can be a huge void, a huge breach between our natural world and the supernatural kingdom that God wants to bring into our society. But I'm telling you now, we've got to revisit the Word of God. We've got to frame our expectation of faith, not on how we feel. We've got to frame our expectation of faith on the Word of God, on the promises of God. How did the Father send Jesus into our world? Well, we could go to many, many instances within the gospel to find out exactly how he went into his world in which the Father sent him. But let me just give you one verse that characterizes everything that Jesus did when he met people and when he immersed them in his love. John chapter 3 verse 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John knew exactly how Jesus was sent into the world by the Father, and there was no condemning remarks that came from Jesus' mouth as he went out to reach people. God didn't send Jesus as the condemner and as the judge and as the policeman to point out all of the wrongs around him. The world was full of wrongs. He sent Jesus into that dark world to save it. And that's exactly how he was sending his disciples. Not to stand up on their soapboxes and condemn the world in which they lived, but to bring the saving message of God's goodness and God's care and God's love. And this is how he sends you and me. He doesn't send us to, you know, the world doesn't need any criticism. It doesn't need any condemnation. It's reeling from pain and hurt. And, and many of those things we're all aware of because we came from that world. No, it doesn't need a critic. It doesn't need a condemner. It needs to hear a loving, saving message that points it to the wonderful, saving grace that Jesus has provided. And that's how he sends us. He really does. You know, when you begin to look at the, the early disciples, they were a rough-cut bunch. And after Jesus had risen from the dead, the Bible tells us that he began to appear to them and prove that it was him that was alive, that had risen from the dead. And he, in, in two, I think it's, no, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about the infallible proofs that Jesus gave to people about himself, that he'd risen from the dead. On one occasion, he, he appeared to over 500 people, showing them teaching them, guiding them about what was going to happen with their lives. And then when you read the book of Acts, you see 120 of them in a little small room 
You see, Jesus didn't tell them to go and build a big, huge mega church. Jesus didn't tell them, hey, listen, you know, go and try and get some room in the local synagogue. Go and try and, and get some space there. No, they, they started in such crude beginnings. So crude where they started. In a little small upper room, hidden away. Nobody knew they were there. God knew they were there, you see. God knew. And that place, Jerusalem, I mean, that's the last place where you'd want to start a church. Because just over two months before, they crucified the Christ. They judged him. They condemned him. They, they thought they'd finished him off. And now he, Jesus is back up on his feet, risen from the dead, having defeated Satan. And the people at large, the religious crowd, had no idea what had happened. And Jesus directs them right back into the place where they had been so fiercely rejected and defeated. You know, maybe they'd have been thinking, well, Jesus, you said the ends of the earth. Can we, can we go to the ends of the earth first and work back to Jerusalem? Can we go to Malta or something? Or can we go to Europe? No, Jesus says, no, you get back in. You get back in to Jerusalem, the very place where you were defeated, you're going to be victorious. And they're in the upper room, 120 of them. And the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, you can read it. Acts chapter 2, it says that they were in one place, in one accord. In one accord. And that's an amazing, an amazing word, one accord. Amazing phrase. Because these disciples... You know, along the way, they'd been jockeying for position. They'd had all manner of things in their character coming up. And they'd been butting heads and conflicting with one another in various ways. And before, that they, before they were going to reach the world in which they lived, they had to come to one place where they were all together to reach this place of one accord. They had to be unified. You know, this word one accord, it means harmony. That's what it means. It's wonderful when there's harmony amongst people. It's a requirement for God to move by His Spirit. If God is going to move by His Spirit, there are things that are very important for Him before He turns up. And one of these things is harmony, being in one accord, in one place. And this is where these disciples were at. There was no, you know, what's, what's the opposite from accord, one accord, discord. Now James is, is playing everything in harmony. That's harmonious. There's a chord. He knows what's to play, knows what to play. It's gentle, it's soft, it's all together. But if James played something that was discordant, thank you, Jesus. Anytime now, Lord. 
Oh, that's it, James. Let's have a bit more discord. The theme music of the church in Wales. Oh my goodness. We don't want that to be the theme music in our family, do we? We're not perfect. It's not always going to be harmonious. It's not always going to mesh and be together. We're a growing family. Sometimes there is going to be amongst this harmony some discord but you know what if we're committed to one another and if we live in the love that God has put in our hearts we can get beyond the discord not forcefully and abruptly and aggressively gently admonishing one another the Bible says with the word of God and we can come into that place of harmony harmony That's what they had. They came to a place of harmony, of accord. They left all of their discordant issues in the past. And they came into a place of oneness. And suddenly the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, you can read it in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, it says, a sound like a violent rushing wind came amongst them and empowered them and cloven tongues sat on each one of their heads and then something amazing happened they couldn't keep this experience in the little small private house they'd hired maybe thought maybe they thought they were going to go back and forth into that little place you know Week after week, month after month, year after year. But God had other plans. The Holy Spirit had a world to reach. Borders to cross. Lands to go to. And these were just little simple fishermen. You may have thought about your life in one particular way. God may be thinking about it in a totally different way to you. Musu probably had no idea that she was going to end up in Sierra Leone maybe a few months ago. Now suddenly, off she goes. And I believe, you know, God's got surprises along the way for every single one of us. When we reach that place of unity, that place of one accord, the Holy Spirit, is not tied or limited or bound. He's free to move and use us in whatever way that he wants us to be used. Jesus sent these these disciples out with the same power and the same anointing that they had seen on him. The same way that he operated in power, they now were operating in power. Do you know what? I think we've just got to go ahead into our world and start declaring the Word of God into people's situations so that signs might follow us, demonstrating the Word that we've declared just like it did for the disciples all those years ago. I remember Faye talking to a lady in work years ago and um, she, she couldn't have children. And do you know what? Faye just told her the Word of God. And said, hey, listen, let's believe that 
God's going to give you children. And she said, well, can God do that? Yes. The Bible tells us that God can do it. Really simple. And she, she printed out a load of scriptures, a load of verses about God blessing the fruit of your womb. Lots of different verses. This girl thanked her and, and actually she got faith to lay hands on her right there and then. And, and she, was, she was reading these scriptures every day. And then after a few weeks, you know, she got impatient because she, I think she tested herself and, you know, still she couldn't have children and she ripped, she ripped the verses up, threw them in the bin. It doesn't work. God loves that kind of challenge because he loves us, you see. Saw the pain in that lady's life. And then she came back to Faye and she was crying and really, really upset by the fact that she'd ripped up the scriptures because now she thought her hope was gone. Faye printed them out again for her. She, she took those scriptures. She was so thankful. And do you know what? That lady now has two children. Isn't that amazing? Listen, listen, listen. That could have been any one of us. That could have been any one of us. Any one of us has access to that same power that Jesus sends us out with. Maybe situations that you're going to come, come, come into this week, don't cower away from them. Step right on into them and declare the word of God. Lay hands on the sick. The Bible says they shall recover. Amen. Amen. Now, there were four things, there's four things that I want us to see that the early church had that enabled them to reach the world in which they lived. This, these weren't the only four things, but they had four things that were very, uh, that they were very aware of that enabled them to reach the lost world and the lost society in which they lived. Four words, they're probably up on the screen, that we need in our lives, that we need to be aware of in order to reach our world. The first word is purpose. Purpose. When you read the Bible, you see the purpose that God has for your life and for the lives of others around you. Secondly, the promises. Peter tells us that we have exceedingly great and precious Promises, power. We need to have an awareness of God's power in our lives if we are going to reach the world in which we live. And finally, obviously, people. People. We need to be aware of the people around us that are in need of our lives, are in need of the message that we carry. They had the early church had a purpose to live for. We have a purpose to live for. Matthew 28, 18, and they understood this very clearly, says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They had an understanding that all authority had been given to Jesus, a revelation of it. It burned inside them. And as a result of that, they walked confidently into a lost world, meeting the needs that faced them on a daily basis. And then the added assurance of knowing that the Lord was with them always. Reverse yourself in the fact that all authority has been given to Jesus. On the basis of what we've read from Matthew 28, remind yourself. Let it, let it saturate your, your, your heart and mind. All authority has been given to me. That's what Jesus says in heaven and on earth. When you pray for the sick in the name of Jesus, you believe that that sick person is going to get healed. No matter, what the compl no, no matter what the complication is. We don't do it arrogantly or proudly, but humbly on his behalf. And as we lay hands, we believe that sick bodies will be healed. They had a purpose to live for. We have a purpose to live for. Jesus didn't say hang back in that upper room until there's a convenient time, a more favorable time, till things have slowed down, when it's not so hostile or hot. No, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them and they burst out onto the street to a waiting world. And that day, 3,000, 3,000 people received Christ in the most hostile place where a church should not have started. I'm telling you now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Let's not limit God. Let's not box God in. Anything can happen when the Holy Spirit is present. They had a purpose to live for. They had promises to live by. We have promises to live by. Paul in Colossians 3 verse 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. When you meet a need, when you meet a needy life, that rich deposit of God's word, that rich promise that's living inside you can be the hope and the lifeline to a life that is lost. It's God's words that are living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, not our words. God's word. Let it Dwell within you richly. Daily meditate on his word. You haven't got to be a walking concordance. You haven't got to know the Bible from beginning to end. But just take, even if it's a few moments, take a few moments every day to verse yourself in the promises of God. You're going to need them. 
You're going to need them to reach, to reach the lives that are around you. Jesus said this. Of course, he was the Word incarnate, the Word made flesh. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing and I only say what I hear my Father speaking. He was a man that heard the Word and he acted out of the Word that he heard. And as we as we verse ourselves in God's word, I'm telling you now, the wisdom that Paul talks about that will dwell within us richly will give us guidance and direction and enable us to do what people need done in their lives. God gives us a purpose to live for, promises to live by, thirdly, power to live in. They knew that they had power. Jesus had told them in Acts 1 verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. This power that they were going to receive from the person and the work of the Holy Spirit within their lives would energize them and enable them to change their world. Lots of, lots of uh, commenters believe that within 20 years, the church at Jerusalem was over 100,000 people in attendance. They went from 3,000 to the Lord adding daily to their number. They were multiplied and to the point where they, they grew beyond being able to number, number and calculate those who were being reached. You know, sometimes we look around in our world and we've tried, we've tried our best and we've tried hard and we've been rejected. Just imagine the rejection that they had to overcome. Just imagine the hindrance and the ceiling that religion had put on the work of God in their lives. But they broke through it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access to the same power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Purpose to live for, Acts, uh, purpose to live for, Matthew 28, 18, the commission, burning in their hearts. Let's have it burning in ours. Go out into all the world. A promise to live by, filled with the word of God, the rich promises of God, directing us, enabling us, empowering us to do things that we would never attempt outside of it. Power to live with, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, enabled to be a witness with effect and not only reaching our own city, but beyond our city and even other nations of the world. That's God's expectation for His people. It really is. And then finally, people to live with. They started out 120 on that day of Pentecost. But by the end of it, there were multiple thousands. 3,000, they counted them. 3,000 people. Oh, what a day that must have been. Maybe they started out with a low expectation. Maybe they started out not knowing that 
It would even go beyond the room in which they sat. But suddenly that sound from heaven, that rushing force of the Holy Spirit's power on their lives, burst them out onto the street. Peter stands up and declares the word of God and says, this is fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and I will pour out my spirit on, on all flesh. This is fulfillment. God is bringing fulfillment today to his word spoken by Joel. And it was fulfilled on that day. And by the end of the day, late into the night, after counting all of the, all of the people, somebody reported, Peter, 3,000. We started with 120, Peter. We didn't have high expectations. But Peter, in this place of rejection, in this place of, of, of conflict, in this place where Jesus has been crucified, and his life was taken by the hands of wicked men. In this place where we shouldn't be, Peter, the Holy Ghost has come with power. And there's 3,000 people saved, Peter. And I'm telling you now, when you look at the book of Acts, they, they were on a roller coaster ride for the rest of their lives. And it started that day in that upper room where the Holy Spirit invaded that place and sent them out. And do you know what? They couldn't have fit it. Fit, <laughs> They couldn't have fitted back into that place even if they'd have wanted to. God just broke the place apart. They never go back into that upper room. No, they go from place to place and city to city and, and then God introduces new people and they go to new nations. And the gospel spreads through just normal, broken people. Paul put it this way, this treasure is in an earthen vessel. And he uses earthen vessels like you and me. Acts chapter 2 verse 46, I'm going to finish with this. People to live with, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favored with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Hallelujah. I tell you now, right? Oh, God. Do it again. Holy Spirit, send us out as Jesus was sent out by the Father We've read it this morning, Jesus. We've read your words. When you spoke to your disciples that night, they were afraid the doors were locked. They didn't want to go anywhere because they saw what the world had done to you. And they were afraid that the world would do the same to them. But Lord, you said, I'm sending you. And you sent them. Lord, I pray over your, your people. They're so precious. They are so wonderful bought with your blood. Lord, you have a, a wonderful purpose for every person here, every life here. And Lord, I thank you that Lord, as you sow your word and your, your seed into our hearts, I pray that it would grow. I pray that there would be such a burning desire within your church to reach out to lost men 
and women, that we would do the work that you have called us to do. Lord, thank you that you send us out in the way that you were sent out by the Father, not to condemn the world or to critique it, but Lord, to take the saving message of the gospel. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to tell you one last story as they come just to encourage you. I listened to a testimony recently, a number of months ago, which blessed me so much. And it was by the great evangelist Reinhard Bonke. Bonke. It's hard to say the surname. I always get it wrong. But... um, You know, he's an incredible guy, incredible evangelist, and he still is. And uh, he tells a story, a testimony of when he was preaching in a maximum security prison to people that were on death, death row, men that were on death row. And he was preaching the gospel and telling them about the goodness of God and just sharing the message of salvation and the hope that we have in Jesus. And as he, as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and pointed out a man that was sitting in front of him. And as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to get that man to stand up on his feet. And I want you to tell him that he's not going to die, but he's going to live and declare the works of God. In fact, He's not going to be in this prison much longer. He's going to get set free and God's going to use him and send him around the world to preach his his word. Now, my goodness, when you get a word like that from the Holy Spirit in a maximum security prison, speaking to people that are on death row, you've got to know that God is speaking. You really have. And Reinhard, for a few moments, in his own words, said he he was kind of like wondering whether he should give this word or not. But knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit, he spoke it out. He got the man to stand up and he began to declare to him, he said, Sir, you are going to proclaim the gospel to many, many people. And you're going to go to many lands and, and, and you're going to see people saved through the words that you preach. You're not going to stay here in this maximum security prison. God's going to get you off death row. Seemed impossible. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Anyway, the guy comes up, right? The guy comes up to Reinhard afterwards and he said, Reinhard, thank you for your words today. You can't believe what, I can't believe what you said. He said, I've already been taken to the execution room three times and every time they've been about to execute me something happens and I I get taken back to my cell he said it's happened three times he said now I know the reason why it's happened now I know the reason why God is sparing my life he's got a future for me beyond this prison and I'm going to reach people I believe it So hearing that, Reinhard goes to, he wanted to see the governor of the prison. The governor was away, so he spoke to the governor's wife. And he said, listen, he he recounted the whole story to her, what had happened that morning. 
So the governor's wife now thinks, well, this is my opportunity maybe to get something of profit for me out of this situation. And she said, okay. She said, we'll set him free, but um, I have four children and they need a private education in the United States. If you, see, she wanted to work under the table, but she didn't know who she was talking to. She said, if you, if you pay for their education in the States, maybe we can do a deal. God ain't going to do no deals. I'm telling you now, when he declares something, the word is not going to return to him void without accomplishing that for which he sent it. Reiner said, we can't do any deals. I ain't got any money. I'm a missionary. And uh, he just said, he said, there was no way that I was going to pay that because God had declared his word. And, and she said, well, she said, if you ain't going to pay for my children to go to private school, he's staying in prison on death row. And who knows what's going to happen? Reinhard left and he prayed. He said, Lord, I've given your word. It's in your hands now. I, I, I think it was months later, maybe a year later or something like that. A man came up, running up to Reinhard in a crusade that he was doing and he grabbed him by the hands and he said, do you remember me? And Reinhard looked into his eyes and he said, I remember you. You're the man that was sentenced to death on death row in that maximum security prison. He said, boy, have I got a story to tell you. God miraculously had set him free. God can do that. God can do that. My goodness. God can do that. So Reinhard grabbed him. He said, listen, he said, I am going to pay for you to go to Bible school for you to become the preacher that God has destined you to be. And he paid for him to become a preacher. And that man now goes to many different countries proclaiming the gospel, God's word, and sees many, many people receive Christ. Who knows, who knows at the end, who knows who's at the end of our obedience? Who knows? You're going to be given opportunities. They're all around us. I'm going to be given opportunities all around me. Let's seize them for God. Let's use the word that he's placed in our hearts effectively for him to see souls saved. I love that testimony, Tone. I love it. I love it. Just aware. Yes, he's got to do his work, and he does it very diligently. But open, looking, aware. Lord, is it today? And don't be disappointed if it's not tomorrow. It may be in six months' time. But can I ask you, this is what I'm asking myself. Let's just, let's just have a desire, even if it's just to reach one. A young person, an old person, age is irrelevant. It's the life that's important. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for their openness of heart, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for this wonderful family. And Lord, we are just so excited, Lord, to welcome others into this place as you use our lives to reach people that don't know you. Lord, we want to be like that good Samaritan. We want to be, Lord, like you when you, you, 
you, you went to seek and save the lost. We want, we want to be like you, Jesus, when you, when you said, I've, I've come not to be served, but to serve. I've come not for my own purpose and my own self-fulfillment. I've come to reach and build and lift other people from their lowly place into a new place of life. Lord, I pray for your people today. Holy Spirit, let your power rest, rest on us. In Jesus' name, amen.